You're listening to Sibling Talk with Mary Jo Tumare and John Paulette. Commentary from a progressive point of view. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, I was thinking about something today. When I was little, and I I think even when you were, you're a little bit younger than I am. Nobody wore seatbelts. I think seatbelts were like an option you could buy on a car if you wanted. But I remember when seatbelts first came in and people grumped about them and they said, well, what if the car is on fire? How would you ever get out? But I do remember just wearing that lap belt. And then later, uh, the harnesses came in, and it all seemed kind of strange. But today, if you got in a car and the person next to you didn't fasten their belt, I think almost anybody would say something to them because that's become our new normal. That's the way we ride in cars. I wonder what's going to come out of the coronavirus. What is our new normal going to look like? That's interesting. I I hadn't thought about that analogy. Um, And I remember when I was in law school, which is like the late 80s. So how... It seems to me we'd been wearing seatbelts a long time by then. But one of my classmates saying, you know, that's an infringement on liberty. How can the state tell you you have to wear a seatbelt? And I do remember feeling like incredulous. Like, well, what do you mean? Of course, there's a public interest and the state has the right to minimize accidents. All the reasons we allow a state to exercise its police powers, essentially. So... It's, I think it's a great analogy, and masks may be one of those things, um, especially when you go into public spaces. It's hard to imagine never going to a baseball game again, but what, would our, what will our behavior be like at a baseball game, at the opera, at a concert, uh, you know, even restaurants? Uh, my husband and I were talking about when the restaurants open up, one of our favorite places. My first thought was they're going to have to move their tables farther apart from each other because it's one of those places where the tables are all kind of on top of each other. And so it's hard to imagine going into those spaces where you're that close to other humans, at least for a while. I don't know how long a while is. Yeah. And that's the question. How long is a while and how sustainable it is. I know nothing about the restaurant business. I'll, confess right up front, but it would seem to me if I had 50 tables and, uh, you know, I want to try and fill those tables, but you tell me I've got to put them farther apart, then now I have 25 tables. Can I still make a living in this restaurant with 25 tables? You see where I'm going? Exactly. I mean, the other thing I've been thinking about is manufacturing because and food manufacturing, which is something I know about, because the way you make money is the speed of those lines and getting 
the product through and people are on top of each other. It's not a surprise that that's happening in meat plants where people really work on top of each other. Our food supply is going to get a lot more expensive if you're going to have to build all that kind of social distancing. I mean, even think back to your days when you were in staffing, even getting people through the time card line where you've got to do that, you know, get a hundred people through in 10 minutes. How can you socially distance through the time card line? It's just a really lot of things we need to rethink and redo. And it'll be interesting whether that's maintained or isn't maintained. And maybe we won't need to maintain it once there's a vaccine and most people are immunized. Well, this is kind of a trivial one, but, and I think we've, we've referred to this before. Will it change habits such as hugging, uh, you know, like in general in public, uh, shaking hands? Will we, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this experiment. It's kind of famous. There was a guy by the name of Edward Hall, and he worked for the State Department Oh, in the late 40s, early 50s, he wrote a book called The Silent Language. And one of the things that he said in it is that culturally, we all have a space that we're comfortable with between us and another person. And he pointed out that this was so culturally conditioned that Americans have one space, but the French or someone from Turkey have another space. And that people may have discomfort because of that. That's a long setup to question, will our cultural space, just where we're comfortable with somebody else, be redone? And, and six feet is far away. Can you imagine being at a party and everybody has to be that far? I mean, how do you ever have an intimate conversation? But it reminds me that, you don't remember... You remember that Seinfeld one where they would like someone they knew was a close talker, like how they would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you exactly know? right. No more close talkers. So we, well, and we do, but know. It'll, tur- <laughs> it'll turn out a close talker is somebody who's like four feet away. <laughs> exactly. That'll is... be socially unacceptable. Yeah. But even the, the mask thing, I mean, that's already starting to hear. And then, you know, you get that kind of social judging, like, well, they weren't wearing masks or they didn't have masks on or those weren't the right masks. And that's just going to be kind of a part of at least for a while. And how long a while is, I think we really don't know. But the other thing I was thinking about is when we make the switch to go back out again, how much anxiety is going to be caused by that. So um, someone today who has a kid sent me a text and said, Oh, I had a plan to go meet a friend, my neighbor down the street, both socially distancing, not a problem. And their kid got a lot, very anxious about it. Like the kid was not okay with mom leaving the house. Wow. And so I think that kind of stuff, either individually or by our kids or other people being kind of anxious or judgy or, 
whatever about us leaving the house. I, I, that has to be in the cards. I think we all even feel it ourselves a little bit. Like, do I really need to go to the grocery store? Maybe I shouldn't go to the grocery store. There's too many people at the grocery store. Yeah. That's hard to break. It is. And, and you feel almost a little guilty. I have to cop to two things real quickly. I had to go out to the pharmacy to pick up something today. And as I was walking in, the guy walking out did not have a mask on. And I got to tell you, I judged him. Oh, yeah. For, in in I that am, funky little pharmacy you go to? Yeah, in the little tiny pharmacy. <laughs> and then the other thing on my part, the mask I've been wearing was my late wife's uh, was a painter, as you know, and uh, she had a mask that she used when she like spray painted. And it's a good mask. It's got like a little cooling ventilator on it. Uh, I mean, this looks like a real mask. And the other day I had it on and I thought, I wonder if people are going to think he shouldn't have that mask. That should go to a healthcare worker and he should have a more regular mask. And I was really ready to tell them, no, no, this is a painting right, mask. Right. This is a used and mask anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah, and, and in truth, it has a lot of like sweat stains on the inside. So you're not going to want that mask. You know, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just, it's yeah, just a different yeah. kind of judging we're going to do. Which yeah, is like, it is. You're having a mask that you should be taking yeah. to the Cleveland Clinic instead of... Right. Yeah, yeah, keeping. One thing I did wonder about that, if I'm understanding it right, we're seeing in other countries, especially in Asia, is uh, the person standing like at an entrance to, I don't know, a store or restaurant anywhere with that forehead thermometer mm -hmm. and, and going. And I guess what what the thought is, is at least we will prevent people with fevers. Said, yes, exactly. Is that what's so going on someone there? was telling me they had a, a friend of mine who's a lawyer. She had to go to court yesterday to file some papers or some on a case, whatever it was. And they going into the parking lot forehead tempt her. Did they? Yeah. And then there was a whole other kinds of rigmarole to get into to drop the papers. Actually, the the um, the. Um, the folk, there's nobody working at the courthouse. So they had like a box okay. and a guard. Wow. So, but I thought that was interesting. And that's one thing I think some businesses are starting to do. And it may be a way to get people back to work first because it is not always, but it oftentimes is a first symptom. But it seems unreliable to me because that's obviously not picking up the asymptomatic people. No, it seems unreliable to me, and it's got a real pressing need on me. At some point, we'll go back to school. I'm a high school teacher, and my guess is that will be before there's a vaccine. It's not going to be this academic year, but at some point. And I was trying to think through, do we have all the kids wear masks? We could. We could do that. We certainly have them all wash their hands when they walk into a room. I was already doing that. My students would laugh at me because I stood at the door and just kept saying, washy, 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 washy. <laughs> and they would all wash their hands. But do we also at the door to the school or maybe even the door to your classrooms, do we forehead check students at school in a way 
to try and obviously not eliminate, but lower the risk. And I guess the question to me, as a man in his 60s with an underlying medical condition, by the way, I've gotten very good at saying that, identifying myself <laughs> that, that way, but is that enough for me to rely on if those were the steps that they took? And part of my gut says, nope, I don't feel good yet. Me either. And, you know, that's the thing about opening up and getting people to go back out. Me personally, I'm not ready to go back out because I don't want to no. get that illness. It sounds terrible. And they're not quite sure what the long-term effects of it are. So, No. And that's a very happy note right. for us to end exactly. on. <laughs> absolutely. You know, there's a lot of excitement here in Chicago at the new ESPN uh, special about Michael Jordan. Uh, so I think that's that's going to be my plan to pick up my spirits is go remember what it was like when Michael was here. Oh, that's right. We'll need one of those for LeBron here. <laughs> I think so. All right. All right. I'll talk All right. to you tomorrow. 